Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey everybody, that was a Memorex, but this is the real thing. Kevin Miller, SIN 315. And I just wanted to start off by saying something important. The purpose of SIN 315, if you've listened to it for a long time or if you're brand new, is to encourage and equip people, just like we said with that little jingle that you heard. And I think it's so important that the people that we have on the show are people that can affect folks that are just like them. Yeah. So I have the honor of introducing you to Isaac Miles. Drew Miles, son, oh, yeah. who's been on and been talked about a lot here. He loves yep. Jesus, and he is unafraid to share him with just about anybody. And so something happened phenomenal recently from Foothills Church. We sent some young people over to East Africa, Yeah, and uh, Isaac was one of those. And I just wanted the people that are listening to hear what happened and to catch a vision on how they might be a part of something where it might impart courage to them to do something that they might be real nervous or scared about. Isaac Miles, welcome to Scent 315. Hello. Hey, Isaac, I just basically want to turn it over to you and you can tell the story and I'll throw in questions if I don't understand something. But the deal is, how did you get invited to go to East Africa? How old are you? I'm 14 and I got invited to go because when my dad was invited to go, he called my mom and said, should I do this? And then my mom's like, yeah, and you're bringing Isaac. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't know why, but she's like, you're bringing Isaac. And my dad's like, okay. It's because she's really smart. Yeah, she listens to God. That's I love right. your mom. Well, you know what? Let's take a step back. Before we get to East Africa, that's how you got there. How'd you get caught by Jesus? How? When did you give your life to the Lord? And what was that like? Because people aren't born Christian, right? No. I mean, you were born into a Christian family. By the time you came along, maybe back in history, uh, your mom and dad had to find their way to God too. But how did you personally get a relationship with Jesus Christ? I don't know. Like, I've just been Christian as long as I remember. And my mom said when I was like six, I gave my life to God. And that's all I remember. But yeah, I've just always been a Christian, always believed I was a Christian, always believed in God read my Bible every day, pray to God probably 20 times a day. So I just feel like I've always been a Christian, gave my life to God early on. Most people say you don't really do that. It's your parents' faith. Like you're a Christian because of your parents. Me, I feel like I've just like been a Christian. It's not just because my parents. Because you lived the life. Yeah, yeah, you decided for yourself. Yeah. yeah. What, what do they say? God doesn't have grandchildren. He just <laughs> yeah. has children. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many times young people that just hang on to the coattails of their parents' faith, they lose that because it's not theirs. I remember when I walked down the alley when I was six years old to go to church, and I didn't have a dad hanging around, and my mom was working really hard and was probably asleep when I went to church, but I loved him just like you're talking about since I was little. I think it's totally legit. And you're walking that kind of life, right? I mean, it's affected how you live. Yeah, it's definitely affected how I live. Like I was raised up probably with all my friends. My dad has the same small group since everyone's probably been in third grade. So <laughs> yeah. like, we were all raised up together. Yeah, we've always been Christians. You know what, Matt? I think it'd be good to get that small group in here. 
That's just really, really chaotic. Yeah, good. Well, I'm used to that. I got 21 grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> I understand chaos. Yeah, we'll find out how many mics we have and then we'll invite you over. That'd be awesome. We yeah. could actually go there. Could you do a remote? We could do a remote. At the small group? Yeah. Well, uh, now I'm nervous. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen Drew's home group, and oh, yeah. I have to hire extra childcare for oh, that home group. Oh, goodness. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Anyway, we're getting off here. Oh, yeah, that's right. East Africa, let me set a, a little bit of the tone. So what happened is Mark Hoffman wrote a book called The Joshua Principle. It impacted some folks over there. We started investing, and now 80,000 young African goodness. boys and girls in the public schools go through this curriculum, this in this youth venture curriculum that we do right here in this youth venture weekly in the public schools. And it's in Uganda, it's in Kenya, and I think one other country. You might know more than I do on that, but all over East Africa. Yeah. And growing all of the time. So how did you feel when your mom said you're going to East Africa? Well, it was kind of mixed feelings because my mom said we were going to East Africa and then right after we basically applied for our passports and I don't know how I was able to go because my passport came like two days before I went to Africa. Your passport came two days before you were supposed to go? Yeah. That could kind of make you nervous waiting around for that. Yeah. I started to believe like I wasn't able to go because my passport got lost somewhere in Texas. And then <laughs> my mom called someone, some office saying, you need to help me get my son's passport. And then she said it would be a miracle to be able to get like an in-person passport in San Diego. You might have to fly to Texas to get one. But then she called back crying, uh, saying that she actually found one. And I don't know why she was crying because it was not her passport, but her and my mom were like calling since eight in the morning to like four o'clock. So that's probably <laughs> one of the reasons. They probably felt the mission. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. So you get your passport. And uh, what were your feelings about what you might encounter there? What were you thinking that it would be like? I didn't expect that it would be like Mexico. I thought it would be kind of like, I don't know, like the Lion King. Okay. <laughs> but the area we were at, it was not really the savannah. It was just like jungle area. It was raining every day and people lived in mud huts with roofs. And there was like these street kids huffing glue. And it was like really sad down there. It reminded me a lot of Mexico when mm. I went down there. So yeah, you've gone on trips down there, right? Mm. Yeah. Okay, so you land in Nairobi? Yeah. Okay, and then where does it go from there? What are they telling that you'll be doing there? What was the purpose for being there? I knew some of the other Emmaus college students, that college age, they were there too, right? Yeah. So what was the plan of action? What were you going to do when you got there? We were going to drive to Katali and do clubs like the first day. And then the next day we were going to do community service at churches. And then the day after that, we were going to do more clubs. And then we did the conference. Okay. So one step back for people that don't know, we've been there for years in the school system there. Jeremy Chan is still connected there. He's a pastor on staff at Foothills and he lived there for three years, had babies there. His whole family was there for a while. And all these clubs are run by pastors, right? Yeah. And they just embrace it. They want it. The administrators, everybody's really welcoming, aren't they? Yeah. Like the super welcoming. When you get there, you probably shake 
I probably shook like 5,000 hands a day. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> right on. It was overwhelming when I got there. That's so neat. They were so welcoming there. And I don't know, I didn't really expect everyone to be like that, but everyone was super welcoming. Right like they wanted to touch your hair, like all the kids. And yeah. They just wanted to touch you. Yeah. Some schools, they would be afraid. And then others, they just like swarmed you. Why did they want to touch you? He's a white guy. Yeah, I'm white. I well, see. I'll tell you what's even crazier, and you'll get it because you've been there. My son, Jeremy, and his wife, Marissa, who's expecting a baby any second now, <sighs> she has blonde hair past her waist. And dude, those girls over there were really? just touching her hair and touching her hair and all these slapping games where they put the patty cake thing. They were, I've seen videos of them doing them. Yeah, they're just enamored. It's different. It's special. That's rad. So don't go to the conference yet. Tell me some of the things before the conference and the days before the conference for you. What were some of your experiences and what did you do? We, like the first day we did clubs, we were just going to clubs, preaching messages and doing games with them. Like baby bronco backpack they all loved that game <laughs> should we put that in the show notes uh, I, baby yeah. okay don't explain it keep going <laughs> so baby bronco <laughs> backpack okay nice yeah everyone was playing games and then the second message of the day i preached to 1500 kids what okay that's what i want you to tell people about what? because have you done that before never okay it, like i've never even spoken to like 25 kids and then what Okay, so, wow. so here's the deal. Who told you that you're going to be speaking? And did you know the size of the audience that you were going to have? Jeremy Chan told me I was going to be speaking. Really? And it was like kind of last minute because I wasn't really connected to the Mayas group. So then I was giving a message and told I was going to be speaking. And Jeremy was like, it would be 200 to 400 kids. We get there and it's 1,500 kids. They're hungry for Hot Jesus. Dog. That's man. awesome. Yeah. This That's is cool. awesome. So were you nervous? I was really nervous, but no one can tell if I messed up because I had a wonderful translator. So. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Right on. So they thought I was like a saint, like a pastor, but I've never done it in my life. I've never spoken, like did a message. And it was a really cool experience. Apparently, like during the conference, a mom of a kid came up to us and said, your son changed my kid's life because he ran away like two days before. Jesus. And then he went to that school. After she found him, she said, if you let me find my son, I'll give him to you, Lord. Two days later, after she gets the kid, he went to that youth venture. And then after I did the message, he said he wanted to give his life to God and be a pastor because his name was Isaac. My name was Isaac. <laughs> oh, wow. He, I'm like two wow. years older than him. And then he's like, if a kid could speak, I can. And yes. he wants to be a pastor now because they've never heard a kid speak in their life down there it's all kids should be seen not heard down there <laughs> yes so yeah jesus that's awesome yeah it really wow. is often so the impact that you had on those kids they saw and heard something they had never seen or heard before and it gave them a vision for what they might be able to do yeah how does that make you feel kind of like mixed feelings because i found out i was going to do that message the night before and then the next day I did the message, I was like, oh, I did pretty bad in the message because first time it was nervous, it was like 1,500 kids. And like two days later, I found out everyone thought I did really good. And 
I was like changing kids' lives and I was feeling mixed feelings. Me, I'm not even a pastor. Like, I don't know how I was changing kids' lives, but it was pretty cool thing what the Lord has done with me down there. And I want to go back every year. Yeah, I bet. I think the important point is it's not pastors. It, it was gone. Like, yeah. yeah. I had nothing to do with it. That's the thing. Well, I, you did. And I'll tell you, I'll argue obedience. with you a little bit here. You were obedient mm -hmm. and you partnered with him. And certainly it was God. If we don't say yes, when he says, what about this? Then I guess he's got to find somebody else, right? But pastors, okay, I'm a pastor. It's not that. It's obedient Christians, no matter what their age is, no matter what their gender is, no matter what their color is. It's Christians being mm -hmm. obedient, and that's how the kingdom of God expands, as we partner with Jesus like that, like you did. I want you to spend a second talking to people that are around your age, because there's certainly some. I get texts and emails and stuff. So what would you tell a young person that you learned from your experience that you would want them to know? Um, it was pretty like life-changing down there. Up here, we're like considered like super spoiled like compared to them because even if you're like the poorest family in America, you still got more than those kids and it's pretty sad to see like, especially those street kids just living on the street, huffing glue. So yeah. everyone down here, in America is super blessed. Even if what you're going through is like pretty messed up, down here you have a chance to become something like capitalism, that's a thing. You can start from nothing and like build your way up to greatness, but down there it's like pretty slim chance you can end up doing something. So that was pretty sad seeing like definitely the street kids and yeah, like building like the mud huts like mud churches yeah it was pretty like life-changing eye-opening now give us a little bit of the message that you told them because you're going down there and they're poor and some of them might not have a lot of hope i've seen kids huffing glue <laughs> and i know what it does to their brain cells and i know that it's because they're hopeless and they don't see any purpose so what was your message to 1,500 kids down there. It was about the Bible, how it leads you to God like a compass. Like compass points north, but the Bible points to God. So that was like what it was about and how if we read our Bible, we draw closer to God. I didn't even write the message. It was another Emmaus student down there, Ian, that Ian, wrote the I message. Know, Ian? Yeah, and then I just did one of his messages because I didn't have one. Yeah. But you'd never done a message before. No, I've never done one. So you just picked up some notes and went and stood in front of 1,500 people and just read those notes and delivered that? Well, I practiced a lot like day before. Okay. And then, still, that's yeah, impressive. First time ever. I was definitely that's like impressive. thrown into the deep end. And then yeah, it's a pretty wow. cool experience. That's yeah. great. You know, when you do something hard like that, it gives you strength and confidence that yeah. you can do hard things. So when that next hard thing comes up, you already did this one. You can go do that one. I'm going to have to give a high five to Ian, man. Yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. The thing that blows me away is that who knows the ripples of where that message goes from, you know? What was after that? After you preached about what did you do after that? I did another message, but to like the special needs kids, because down there, the special needs kids were like disabled kids. 
and they all live at the school and have like four teachers taking care of them. So they live at the school and they're raised and taken care of by the school. So after that, I did a second message to them. And that was pretty cool too. Yeah, because like we go to Guatemala and we have a clinic down there. And the first time I went down there, I got to this clinic ministers to paraplegics and quadriplegics. One guy came literally in a wheelbarrow. It was all bent up his whole life. And we have a clinic with a doctor down there and a dentist down there. But then we get to come down there for medical missions and stuff. And boy, it sure does open your eyes to there's not a McDonald's on every yeah. corner. And we really are Complacent. spoiled. And we take things for granted, like you mm -hmm. said. But, but that opens up your eyes. Is there any other snapshot or any other thing that you want to talk about with that trip? Like... The second day we helped build mud huts and that was pretty cool. And after that we ate like lunch in a mud hut. Oh, neat. Pretty neat experience. What was the food like? The chicken down there is not like here. They don't got meat chickens or they don't feed their chickens. They just let them roam outside and eat whatever they find. So it's really tough. Yeah. And then they eat like stuff called ugali and chapati. Yeah. Chapati is like tortilla. Ugali is like white, like, I don't know, this white stuff that you eat. <laughs> it's like a starch. Yeah, it's this white starch stuff, like a ball of, yeah. And then a lot of goat and lamb, mm. like barely any beef or cow, like no processed meat down there. Yeah. So they eat like goat, chapati and ugali and chicken. That's mainly what they eat down there. Yeah. How has it affected you like when you come back? Do you have some vision of stuff you want to do? What's the next step? What would Besides going back to Africa every single year, which would be a cool thing. But here and now, what has God placed on your heart to do here? Well, I do a Sunshine Club every week. And today I did a message down there, which is pretty cool. Explain Sunshine Club and your club in particular so people know what it is. Sunshine Club is basically the after-school youth ventures in Africa, but it's here in America. And we go to this public school. What age group? Right now we're doing first through fifth, I okay, think. Okay, so elementary school. Yeah, elementary school. So I did a message down there and I think it's Lakeview Elementary. So yeah, today I did message about feeding the 5,000 down there, which was pretty cool. And you didn't even need a translator. No, but also I feel like it's easier to do message up in Kenya because they're all super respectful like then down here. Like the kids are way more respectful in Kenya. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're hungry. Yeah. And had you been doing that Sunshine Club before or did you just start doing it? I started doing it like two months ago and I've been asking to do a message and this week I was told that I could do a message so then I did a message about feeding 5,000. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And Ian did not write that. He's an impressive young no. man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, tell me a little bit about your family. I know your mom and dad, and I know Drew a little bit, Drew Jr., a little yeah. bit. So talk about your family and their involvement in church and ministry. I feel like ever since my mom and dad became Christians, 
they've just constantly been at the church. I, I think like last week or the week I came back from Kenya, my mom was at the church every night except for one night. <laughs> and every week my dad like does every night, he basically has a ministry he's doing. Like he does small group, he does his home group, he goes to church, he does board stuff for the church. Yeah, he's having a board meeting about 15 minutes I'm supposed to be at. <laughs> he's on the church board. Well, he gets to do that because he's just independently wealthy, he doesn't work at all, and you only have one kid in the family. Oh no, it's exactly the opposite, right? Yeah, no, he's just like used by God and yeah. it's just wonderful and I look up to my dad a lot. Yeah. It's like... Me too. Yeah, it's, Me too. it's pretty cool what okay, he so does. He runs a company and he runs it well. He works really hard. And how many kids do you have in your family? I have four other siblings. Yeah. So there's five kids. And then can you explain a little bit about the foster care? Because we, we have a show about it. It'll be a little bit of an appetizer for somebody to go back and listen to it. Do you know much about that? It was like an interesting experience. It took us like a year to get ready for foster care. Like we had to tear down our pool fence to get a pool fence that's one foot taller. <laughs> we were all pretty young at the time, so we had to be really careful of what we said. And they're really strict. Once we began foster care, like every week, my brother Dylan was like threatened to be taken away. He was doing visits with his mom every week and then going down to the border to do visits with his dad. And it took almost four years until we finally got to adopt him into our family. Wow. So it was a pretty interesting experience, like pretty hard, but it was all worth it at the end because Dylan's a great brother and right on. really fun to hang out with. And he will always be my brother and always like hang out with him. I'm so glad this experience happened. Yeah, when we had, you know Courtney, right? Cazares, she helps with your dad's ministry 225. R225, yeah. yeah. And so she said, everybody should do it. Everybody, you should all get involved. And the 225, that's a support program for people that are in the foster program and you know they need help. They need grocery shopping, they need babysitting, they need their car washed or whatever. It's all these people serving people who are fostering kids, right? Is that it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I gotta tell you, and I said it to you when you s sat down in that chair, the same chair that your dad sat in months ago, I just really love and respect your family mm -hmm. because there is a general a generational thing going on. And I told you, I'm trying to stay, keep this podcast going until I can interview your son. So hurry up and have a kid so I don't have to wait so long. But the deal is this, the people that are listening, when you share Jesus, like someone shared Jesus with your mom and dad, they took them from lifestyle that was going nowhere and it was hard and it was broken. And not only did they get saved, but they have unleashed this Miles family <laughs> on an unsuspecting world. And I'm oh, yes. so I'm so honored to to be your family's friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How are you on praying? I pray almost constantly. If I just have one tiny thing, um, or if I think of a friend, I just pray for them because I don't know why I just thought of them. Like find something that's like going on with their life and then pray for them. Well, that's what I want you to do right now. There are people literally all over the world that are listening to this podcast and everybody in your small group is going to listen to it. 
Hopefully so. not. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but it would be a good thing. If it really did. would. Yeah. It would be, but. Yeah, they'll ask for your autograph. It'll be horrible. But bottom line is I want you to pray for the people listening right now, if you would. All right. Dear Lord, please bless every single person listening right now. Please help them to honor you and to love you and to serve you. And anyone who's a non-Christian listening right now to believe in you and to get to love you and know you more and more. And please bless every single person listening to this podcast right now. Amen. You guys, if you're not sent yet, I don't know what we could do. Thanks a lot. Good job, my friend. Thank you. Thank you.